Hallelujah, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. 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 Gospel according to Luke, the eighth chapter. Then Jesus and his disciples arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. As he stepped out on land, a man of the city who had demons met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he did not live in a house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the wilds. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? He said, Legion. For many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now there on the hillside was a large herd of swine feeding, and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swineherds saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then the people came out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Beloved of God, grace to you and peace from God our Maker and from our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The problem was bigger and more complex than they initially thought. Jesus and his disciples knew they were in for an adventure when they set off across the Sea of Galilee to go to the territory of the Gentiles. They were prepared to see and experience things that were foreign to them, coming from their small Jewish communities. But I can't imagine they were prepared for this. They had no more than set foot on the shore than they were confronted by this man who was out of his mind. 
He was naked with shackles dangling from him, howling and wailing like an animal. He could not live with other human beings, at least not living ones. His behavior was too frightening. So he lived in the tombs with dead people, the only other people who were as unclean, as out of bounds as he was. Jesus was no stranger to demons. Casting out unclean spirits was a regular part of his healing ministry. But this time was different. He asked the unclean spirit, commanded the unclean spirit to leave the man, but it did not. Because it wasn't an it. It was a they. There was a legion of demons tormenting him, holding him hostage, making him as good as dead. This would be no run-of-the-mill exorcism. The process of freeing the man from the demons was bizarre. Pigs running down a cliff into a lake. Who knows what to make of that? It's tempting to dismiss this story as one of those Bible texts that is just too weird, that can't make the journey from first century Palestine to 21st century U.S. with any meaning intact. But I wonder, how would this story be told today? How would this man be described? If we met him on the street, would we call him crazy? Probably. Would we diagnose him as schizophrenic? Would we think he was an addict? What names would we give him in order to understand his sickness, in order to help him? Some of you know a great deal about these names, about these diagnoses. I do not. It all feels scary to me. And to be honest, I would rather look away to get back into my boat and to cross back to my comfort zone. But that doesn't work, does it? I was in my comfort zone last Sunday here at church in this beautiful, peaceful place when we got word that over a hundred innocent people had been gunned down in Orlando. What do we call this? What name do we give it? We don't speak of demons anymore. So what do we call it? Hatred? Self-hatred? Evil? I hear lots of words thrown around, psychopath, homicidal maniac, religious zealot. Maybe if we could just name it, we could get our arms around it, and as a nation, find a way to be healed of this sickness that is literally killing us. But it isn't simple. The problem is bigger and more complex than any solution offered by social media or late-night talk show hosts. There are so many unclean spirits, so many forces in this world that seek to claim us, to rob us of our humanity, to move us away from wholeness to something fragmented and broken and lost. I'm not a psychiatrist or a sociologist or an expert on public policy or criminal justice. We need all of these voices in this public conversation. I am, however, a Christian, which means I also look to Christ to help me find a path 
to healing and redemption. And I noticed something about Jesus in this story. When everyone else tried to distance themselves from this guy, when they exiled him out to the tombs and put him under lock and key, when everyone else moved away from him, Jesus moved toward him. When we read the broader story, we see that this is the only thing Jesus does in the land of the Gerasenes. It's as if he crossed over the lake to be encountered by this man. And when he saw how dire the situation was, he did not look away. He looked right at him. That's so hard to do, isn't it? To look right at someone whose behavior is confusing and frightening, whose problems seem so intractable, whose suffering is so great. It is so much easier to look away. But Jesus looked at him, and he didn't see a rabid animal or a demoniac. He saw a human being with a name and a story. He saw a child of God, one who desperately needed to be rescued from death and brought back to life. When I see this, I'm reminded that this is how God looks at us. God sees our pain, sees the mess we have made of God's wondrous creation, including our relationships with each other. God sees our dangerous, destructive behavior, all the ways we dehumanize each other, demonize each other. It's got to break God's heart. And yet God does not look away or turn away. With steady love and deep compassion, God moves toward us. This is what we see in Christ, God drawing near to us, seeking us out, calling us by name. In God's eyes, we are not defined by our worst actions. We are not defined by our sin. God looks at us and sees beloved children, created in God's image, created for life-giving relationship with God and with each other. So God crosses boundaries and enters our suffering. And with divine compassion and mercy, God redeems us, frees us from the powers that diminish us, restores us, makes us right. This is what happened to the Gerasene man. The demons could not withstand the power of divine compassion. It was too much for them. He was healed. When the people from the city heard what had happened out by the tombs, they went to check it out, and they found their former neighbor, their former friend, clothed in his right mind, sitting at the feet of Jesus. This is the power of God's love. It is not the soft, sentimental kind of love intended to affirm us and make us feel comfortable with the way things are. It is a powerful love that challenges our assumptions and rearranges our world. It is a love that casts out our hatred and all the ways that we seek to label and scapegoat each other. It is a love that opens new possibilities that we would not think of on our own. When we see these terrible things happen 
like this last week. It's hard to believe that anything will ever change. But that is not acceptable to God. The love of God will not let that stand. It creates a future where we see only dead ends. Clothed in Christ, we are agents of this love in our world. We are practitioners of God's compassion. It's interesting to me in the story when the man expressed his desire to go with Jesus back across the lake, Jesus said no and sent him home back to the city. He had work to do to tell his story, to bear witness to the healing power of divine love as he had experienced it in Jesus. This is our work, to share the divine love we have found in Jesus, to spread it like balm on our weary, broken world that all may come to know and to trust the healing compassion of God, the one who sees us, the one who heals us, the one who loves us. Thanks be to God. Amen. If you have prayer cards, please raise them up at this time, and the ushers will gather them. We sing together.